the hardest question you've ever been asked? Was it a math problem? Directions to get somewhere? Well, mine probably is, hey, Jackson, you want to take a shower? (laughs) In 1 Samuel, Saul and David got asked a hard question. Who will you choose? In chapter 24, Saul is nearing the end of his kingship because of his disobedience to God. And David's going to take his place. So David's wanting, so Saul is wanting to kill David. Now David is on the run from Saul and is chased into a mountain range. So in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, it says, He came to the sheep pens. Along the way, a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Don't we wonder if this was David's hardest choice? It's not only do I or don't I kill Saul. It's more like do I or don't I obey God. So why does it matter to obey or disobey? It shows if you let God be the king of your heart. And if you do let God be the king of your heart, your life will be a blessing. Even if life takes the wrong turn, your life will be a blessing because God is with you. Verses 5 through 7. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Out of all the pressure, where does David's focus seem to be? This isn't about the king of Israel, is it? It's about the king of David's heart. In verses 8 through 11, Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen in the This day the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord, because he is the anointed of the Lord. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off a corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. What happens when you take bad advice? You make the wrong decisions, right? In verses 14 and 15. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. So David made the best decision, right? When Saul was anointed king, it was a blessing. Then the people gave him the wrong advice. He listened and was all about himself and not God. His life then became a curse. And now Saul is realizing that he has been doing the wrong thing. In verses 17 through 19, You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me the good you did to me. 
The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. Aren't we as shocked as Saul is that David didn't kill him? Reality is, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, we want to pay back for what others have done wrong to us. But because David let God be the king of his heart, David did not let other people lead him in the wrong direction. So, who is the king of your heart? Now I'll be leading, I'll fly away. Verses 1 and 3. Tom, I'm going to see if I can get this button buttoned around my chest. It's uh, swollen out a little bit right now for a little bit of pride. So we are so proud of our summer's kids and the support that they get from this congregation. So as you have, have heard and will continue to hear, the theme for this year was King of My Heart. And so Jackson left us with a question. Who is King of Your Heart? Who are you allowing to rule your heart? And, and we should understand what Scripture refers to when it talks about the heart. The reference is not to the four-chambered muscle that pumps blood throughout our body, because if that's the case, the king of my heart is going to be pizza or steak, things like that. But the heart is this mysterious spiritual reality that allows us to experience the fullness of life. And it includes emotion. It includes emotion, but it's not limited to emotion. So according to Scripture, the heart can be grieved, it can be troubled, it can be joyful, it can be broken, it can be pierced, it can be divided. And our heart is the truest expression of who we really are. And so Jesus Himself said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, He said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Or there 
where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we're led by what we determine is the most important. Whatever that may be, whether it's daily task of life or our, our life's goals, we will accomplish what we think is the most important. That's what we set our minds on, and that's what we set our feet towards. And so in hindsight now, we may look back and say, well, what I focused or what I accomplished was not in fact the most important thing in my life, at that time, it might have felt that way. So whether it's a boss or a baby, we're led by what is urgent, what feels urgent. And in the urgency of life, many times, the most important is in fact not guarded as the most important. And so in the collection of Proverbs, these wise observations of, written mostly by the King Solomon of Israel whose wisdom was a gift of God. And so we find here Solomon records a lot about the importance of the heart, what the Bible calls the heart. And not just the importance, but the utmost importance. And so he says, in all of life, all the plans that you make, all the responsibilities that you have, there's this constant battle between wisdom and foolishness. And so wisdom is from God and foolishness is apart from God. And so he says in Proverbs 4 and verse 23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So the heart is the truest expression of who you really are. So the words you use, the choices you make, the relationships that you cultivate, the hobbies you pursue, all of life's decisions flow from what is called the heart. And so above all else, he says, guard your heart. And so we worry about safety in schools and we worry about safety in our streets. We worry about safety at home and rightly so, we should. But the reason we worry about these is because the reality is so many do not guard their heart. And so the works of Satan are free then to enter and to influence those hearts that are unguarded. So how do we guard our heart? Well, you think about your vehicle. So as you drive along the road, you've got certain information that's close at hand. Some of you guys need to re-familiarize yourself with the information that's at hand in your vehicle, but like what speed are you going or how much fuel you have left in your tank. And so then there's other information that, that's there, like the temperature of the engine or the level of your oil that we don't necessarily watch continually, but we know it's there. So if the temperature of your engine rises, you need to know that. That's an important thing to know and to get, get ahead of. And so all of this information is displayed on a dashboard. So what would the dashboard of your heart look like? What kind of indicator lights would be there on the dashboard of your heart? Would there be red lights and green lights or yellow lights? Probably so. Red lights maybe it would be impulses of your heart that have the tendency to towards this secret, maybe perpetual departure from God. And so we'd have a red light you know, that would pop up there. We have an idea of what some of these are from the Apostle Paul's writing in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. He says, So put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth. Some descriptions of that would be sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Not inclusive, but representative of things like this. He says, But now put off all such things as anger and rage and malice and slander, Abusive language from your mouth. And so these aren't unique. These are just a few impulses of the heart that you might want to put up on your dashboard. And they're repeated over and over in Scripture. But remember what God says to us. He says, keep your heart. He doesn't say keep your neighbor's heart, does He? 
He says, keep your heart. No one can know the impulses that work in your heart better than you do. The secrets of our heart. So we've got to be honest with ourselves and identify the impulses of our heart that we most need to guard against. Yours may be different than mine and likely are. So what if you wrote them down? What if you made a list of those things that belong on your dashboard? That would give you clarity. It would help you think through it and give you clarity of what you need to focus on, what you need to guard against. And so over time, these items are going to change. New situations bring new challenges. We want to keep our dashboard current. And so we've got the the momentum of sin, which always begins in the heart, is like this stone rolling downhill. It picks up traction and speed as it crashes forward. So it's easy to stop at the beginning. You know, right, right as we're at the edge, it's easy to hold it back and to stop it. But once it gains momentum, it is almost impossible to stop before it causes so much damage. In Proverbs 4.23, above all else, as we read, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So what do we got to do? We got to watch for that first flicker of red light on the dashboard. You can't drive around for days and weeks and months with that indicator light because whatever caused that light to show up is going to get worse and worse and worse and cause more and more damage if we don't pay attention. Because when you ignore a service light, you're more than likely going to experience more pain than if you just acknowledged it at the outset. Because when God is King of our heart, we don't have to wonder what the service light means. You know? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse... 12, we read, for the Word of God, God has given us His Word, the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the point of dividing soul from spirit and joints from marrow. It's able to judge the desires and thoughts of the heart. But we must read His Word. And when we read His Word, we're going to find out, just as the psalmist did, In Psalm 119, that God, Your words are so sweet to me, like the taste of honey. I gain understanding from Your instructions, so I hate anything that leads people the wrong way. Your word is like a lamp that guides my steps and a light that shows the path I should take. But see, God knows us as He is the one that formed man from dust. He formed us from dust. And He knows how we struggle every day because He put on flesh... And He came to this earth and He was tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. He knows our struggles. He knows how we we wrestle between foolishness and obedience and wisdom and disobedience. And by His grace, God has chosen a way to be King of our heart where there seems to be no way. And through faith in the Word of God who became that flesh, Jesus, the Son of God. And so in Romans chapter 5, we would read, Therefore... Since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Not only this, but we rejoice in the sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Much more then, because we have now been declared righteous by His blood, we will be saved through Him from God's wrath. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, how much more, since we have been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? Not only this, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. What an amazing, wonderful, good news. God formed us in His image, knowing, seeing, understanding that we were going to do all kinds of terrible things and find every possible way to shatter that image in us. And yet God found a way where there seemed to be no way, there was certainly no way within us to make things right, to reconcile this relationship. So check your dashboard. What lights are on? What lights are on in your dashboard? What indicators do you need to pay attention to? Do you need to identify? Perhaps you should start with a question. Who is king of your heart? Because God has made it clear He wants to be king of our heart. And He's made a way to be king of our heart through His Son, Jesus Christ. And perhaps today you've realized that, that at one time God was king of your heart, but now He's not. Because something else has, has crept in and you've put that in His place. And God calls you to repent of that. That sin. To lay it at the foot of the cross where Christ picked it up and laid it on Himself and became the punishment for our sins. And God offers His forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And perhaps you've realized that God never was the King of your heart, but now you realize that through His Son, Jesus Christ, He can be and He wants to be. Will you be baptized today in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of God's Spirit so that He can add you to His church and offer you the promise, the hope of eternal life through Jesus. Who is the King of your heart? What light is on in your life that you need to pay attention to this morning? We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. God offers an invitation. It's not mine. It's God's. He says, anyone who will, whosoever will, will you come to Jesus today as we stand and sing this good song?